Technology and the Sea. Fascination Marine Technology. A podcast by Bärbel Fiening in cooperation with the German Association for Marine Technology, GMT. Welcome to this podcast episode, where we get to know a man who has been designing and manufacturing ROVs, remotely operated vehicles, for 28 years. Today, ROVs are a normal part of marine technology, but when Christian Haag presented the first prototype at the Düsseldorf Boat Show in 1995, it was a sensation. With it, his company, Kiel-based Mariscope, made an international name for itself. ROVs from Ariscope are used worldwide, but are still built in Kiel, Germany. Even though Christian Haag has moved his center of life to Chile in order to place his marine technology on the South American market as well. Mr. Haag, at the age of 15, you decided to become an oceanographer. How did this come? Well, by the time uh, I was very interested in all what was going on underwater, I was an uh, abnoid diver. Uh, with uh, 16, I, I learned by myself um, scuba diving and I found it so amazing what I was able to see underwater that I decided I want to see more and I want to learn more. So um, I decided that uh, oceanography, physical oceanography, uh, would be the right thing to, to, to study. And um, well, following that idea, I, I searched for a couple of years where would be the best spot to do it. And uh, finally, I decided it would be in Kiel at the, at the Christian Alvarez Universität, at the so-called Institut für Meereskunde by the time. So it was not only a longing for the sea, it was a scientific interest in, in the oceans. Yes, absolutely. Um, first of all, I wanted to, to see more, to learn more about it. But apart from that, uh, the main uh, reason it was to understand what's going on, because there were so many questions. So you could have a look but uh, you don't uh, understand what is really going on. And I had a highlight uh, as a diver. I saw waves underwater. And uh, it, on the surface, there was nothing that you could see. And I saw it underwater and I said, wow, what is this? And it was underwater waves and a brutal current uh, at one spot that came all of a sudden. And I said, I, I want to understand this, what's going on. Mm -hmm. So this was part of the, the initial reason. So then you started studying at the University of Kiel and at the age of 20, you needed a ROV, but you didn't get any support. And then you decided to develop it on your own. Well, as I mentioned, I was interested in the water and in the sea. And during the, the first years of the career, it was a little bit annoying. We were only sitting there and doing uh, maths and physics and computer. And and I just wanted to have a look underwater and um, nothing really happened. So I decided to, to create a small project with a couple of um, other students. And um, we started with uh, open water analysis of uh, dolphin behavior from the physical point of view. Dolphins are very interesting because they have sounds. They have echo Uh, location, they have communication. And uh, we started the first project. This was successful in the southern part of Spain and Andalusia. And uh, two years later, I created a project uh, with several universities in, in Europe to understand what was going on between fisheries 
and um, dolphins in Sardinia because there was a lot of problems. And uh, we needed to do underwater surveys during night between uh, the um, interference of dolphins on fisher nets. And uh, when we proposed this uh, to the European community as uh, a small project, it was denied twice. So I thought, okay, if I don't get the technology, I build it myself. You had the knowledge and you knew how to do it. In part. Um, it was a, a good idea. And uh, obviously, we found also some companies cooperating with us. Uh, there was a, a good company in Italy uh, to do the electronics. And uh, so we started with the idea. We, we worked two years in a garage, so to say, to, to develop the prototypes. And 1995, we finally started with the first commercial ROV. That was the beginning of Mariscope. Yes. Well, the beginning was 89 when I started my dolphin project. Uh, but uh, yes, the, the real start, the commercial start was 94, 95. So it's uh, quite long ago, yes. So the ROVs are still built in Germany, but you sell them all over the world and now you live in Chile? Well, we built since then the ROVs 100% in Germany, that's right. We are a small company. It's not a multi-millionaire, multi-hundred people company. It's a small company, so it's a KMU. It's a manufacturing, so we built all the vehicles one by one. And uh, by the end of the 90s, we had some problems uh, on the markets. The markets were shrinking for us. It was all offshore business or nothing. And um, a couple of projects went wrong. And uh, then we decided to go for emergent markets, new markets. Uh, the obvious proposal was China. Uh, I thought it was a better idea to go to Chile, not to China for us. <laughs> uh, one thing was the, the language. I, I speak fluent Spanish, so it was no problem for me in that point of view. And China is a difficult, big market. You need to understand the mentality and the language to do business. And uh, it was not our case. So uh, we tried South America. Crazy enough to do that all by ourselves. Um, and well, when we arrived there, we, we realized that barely any company from Europe was investing in South America and, uh, even less in, um, aquaculture. That was the area where we started. There were some Norwegian companies, but big companies investing, but marine technology companies were not on the market. And until now they have some, well, some representatives, but they're not really company-owned subsidiaries on the market. Mm -hmm. So for, for 20 years, we were the only company from Europe in South America in the marine technology sector. So this was an advantage for you, or has it been for a reason that there were no uh, companies in marine technology? No, uh, South America always has been looked as poor uh, countries and underdeveloped. So um, it was for the most companies easy to go to China to get some fundings and uh, and to go ahead and well but there's also another part of the metal and uh, not everything is so shiny so <laughs> uh, I decided I prefer to go by myself and start in South America and that was a big advantage because once we opened the market we had the complete market for our own and it was very good so tell us more about your ROVs where are they used at what depth can they be used What can they do? Well, the depth is not 
a limiting factor. We can develop ROVs for three, four, five thousand meters, but the market for us is not the one that is asking for that deep going ROVs because there are other companies focused on this offshore huge ROV market and it's very difficult to get in. So we said normally we stop at 1000 meters with the mm -hmm. ROVs and the clients are all those persons and companies that need to do whatever underwater, looking, working, measuring, Uh, cleaning, and so on and so on. So our vehicles are just small trucks that carry maybe some instruments, maybe some type of cameras, illumination, and some kind of tools to carry out whatever work is needed. It can be cleaning, it can be cavitation, it can be uh, multiple arms to do things underwater, but it is... Compact industrial class ROVs. It's not toys. We are not building two, three thousand euro uh, small toys in plastic. It's uh, ROVs for the use 24-7 industrial class. We have lifetime warranty on the ROVs, uh, but they're not the huge offshore ROVs that need also huge boats and um, special equipment to get in the water and so on and so on. So you're experts in marine technology, but you don't only focus on ROVs. What else do you offer? Well, our slogan says we build your idea. So uh, you have an idea, you need something, you come to us and we try to manufacture it for you. Sometimes these are cameras for net inspection that you put in the trawl nets. We have done this several times. Uh, it may be some uh, kind of equipment for landers that stay underwater a year or two. Um, drop cams, tout systems, communication for divers. We do a lot of things. Uh, we have companies here in Germany that ask us for the stuff divers can carry. Um, because there are less and less companies specialized on one by one manufacturing special developments. They all try to do serious. And um, when companies need something special, they normally don't find anything on the market. And basically no companies that can do that. What is the most fascinating for you about your work? Well, every day is different. There's no routine. This is fascinating. And um, there's challenges. We, When we have a client that needs uh, something special and, uh, and we are able to do it, um, even if we don't earn that much money, but uh, we are able to solve the client's problem and technically speaking and put it on the water and see what's going on. Um, and the client is happy. This is good. This is nice. And the lack of routine is the best. <laughs> And looking ahead, what's the biggest challenge? Biggest challenge um, is to be able to stay on the market, to be alive. It's not, uh, even after such a long time, it's not for sure that you can um, live as a company for the next 10 years. Um, because we have this global markets and the global markets have global problems and uh, the issues are getting worse. Um, and from a technical point of view, um, the challenges are to build efficient systems that go underwater, not the kind of stuff we build nowadays. I have the opinion that the ROVs and the, the underwater technology is far behind aerospace or medical technology. Uh, so we have to learn a lot still. Obviously, what we do has two main problems, corrosion and pressure. Uh, 
So we have these factors, these environmental factors that affect our systems. And we need to do more than others to get things running. Um, so when we develop something, we have also always this issue of corrosion and pr pressure that uh, inhibits sometimes the, the well-functioning of the of the systems. So, but we need to invest more to, we need to do more research, technical research and to develop more. And for sure, we have to go in the direction of bionic technology. Uh, bionics and artificial intelligence are, are the future in underwater technology. But you are very passionate about the oceans still. You're unstoppable in this area. <laughs> yes, it is fascinating. Because every time, even as a diver, every time you go down, you see something new. So uh, imagine that uh, you can you can put a vehicle 500, 600, 800 meters down. Uh, we have clients that use the vehicles on uh, to make sea mount research. For example, I have a, a friend and a, a customer that is now in uh, in uh, Robinson Crusoe Islands so or Easter Islands, um, and they, they make underwater sea mount inspection. And they find every time they go out, they find new things, and uh, it's unbelievable. So. Um, Yeah, it's fascinating. It's and not it's not only you, it's it's also your wife and your sons who uh, are as passionate as you. Yes, uh, we are crazy enough. My wife started in the company nearly at, at the beginning, two years later, something like that. She's on the more on the um, investigation and research. She she does uh, satellite oceanography, so uh, but not the the standard type of research that is done normally in institutions like geomar uh, we do the research related to industrial problems so for example when you have aquaculture what we do is research uh, for the uh, microalgal blooms so blooms are uh, heavy um algal um, grows in the water that you have all of a sudden uh, during spring and autumn and how this affects um, the salmon farming because when these blooms occur in the southern hemisphere they are so big that uh, we have a heavy loss in the aquaculture um, millions of fish are dying so we need to understand what's the mechanism behind this algal blooms appearance because they're not Every year, it has to do with uh, El Nino, La Nina, currents and oscillations and so on and so on. So we have this part of the company, it's uh, scientific. Uh, and then we have all the technology part, and this is uh, what the, our kids are more interested in. So <laughs> heavy technologies and uh, put our visa in water and uh, develop uh, special stuff. This is uh, what they are skilled about. What did you think when your sons... Uh, stepped in the same direction as you did. Well, I told them not to do that because it's nice and it's uh, thrilling and it's amazing, but uh, you're working every day of your life and uh, it's, it's well, heavy work at the end of the day. Um, but <laughs> there was no chance to, to keep them out of the company. Yes. Has there been an initial moment when they uh, made a special experience in the ocean? Well, I think living in Patagonia, where we live, you have permanent experiences. Uh, they asked me to, to start diving with five years. So we started very, very flat diving by the time. But uh, since we are living in an area where you have whales and dolphins and um, 
uh, sea lions and sea elephants, uh, they grew up with all this. So when, uh, when we started to work on the whales with the ROVs, uh, they were the pilots of the ROVs. When we had the first drones, they were the pilots of the drones with 10 and 12 years, something like that. So, um, by the way, they, they are better pilots than I am. So, um, <laughs> so it, it is, um, yeah, it, it was just, it started like a, like a toy, like uh, playing around, but they were playing with ROVs on, on, on 40 ton whales, uh, and wow. had a, okay. yes. It's, so this is something that happens. Yeah, no wonder that they... No, no wonder. <laughs> okay. Thank you for sharing this with You're us. very welcome. Thanks a lot. That was today's podcast episode. I talked to Christian Haag, CEO of Mariscope, a German company located in Kiel. We'll have the next episode in two weeks. I recommend subscribing to this podcast and I would appreciate a positive rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Bye. Technology and the Sea. Fascination Marine Technology. A podcast by Bärbel Feening in cooperation with the German Association for Marine Technology, GMT. GMT.